Hello, cinephiles, and welcome to today's episode of Silver Spring Sips, a podcast where three idiot friends talk about movies. And today, with Alice, we discuss the importance of luck and memories to keep in theme with the Half Blood Prince. Ooh. Indeed. Yes, say hello to Ellis again. We brought her back. Hello. <laughs> the island came back. And it's for the actual episode that she watched. <laughs> I've actually watched this film. It took me a couple million years, but I am here. <laughs> so as you can tell, we're what we're going to be not watching. We're talking about the Half Blood Prince. Um, so you got your spoiler warning happening now. So uh if you don't want anything spoiled, click out. But seriously, you should have seen these yeah, films. This has been out for a long time. You're a loser. Okay. okay. Loser. <laughs> Lewis, take it away. I have a very special treat today, guys. Uh, this is the first time we've ever done this in our episodes. Um, I actually have two drinks today <gasps> for the Half-Blood Prince. Um, both of them are actually in theme with Horace Slughorn, the famed uh, professor that they kind of spy on. Anyway, the first drink we'll be talking about is our Felix Felicis liquid Ooh, luck. Okay. Brewed correctly, the drinker of this potion will be lucky in all their endeavors, but be warned. Excessive consumption is highly toxic and can cause extreme recklessness. Mm. Zygmunt Budge, the 16th century potioner. So, oh, this fizzy version of the Felix Felicis is sure to boost the confidence levels on and off the Quidditch field. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So in this case, we have a, this one is actually not a strong drink. This is one that's based with a champagne or sparkling wine. Oh, you got Ellis's interest. Yeah, right. Um, what you'll do is you take your flute glass and you, your choice of champagne or white wine or sparkling white wine. You add a quarter ounce of simple syrup, quarter ounce of lemon juice, and an ounce and a half of ginger beer. Um, you actually are going to mix your champagne, or your, sorry, your simple syrup and lemon juice in the bottom of the champagne flute first. Add the ginger beer and then fill the rest up with champagne. Um, it's a cool picture there. Ooh, very pretty. It's a pretty simple drink. And here I'm adding for Isaiah and for anyone who else wants to join our uh, Discord to see the recipes. Here we are. You can find our Discord on our link tree, by the way. In case you guys are wondering how to actually get to it. Correct. And then I'm actually going to jump right into the next drink and we're going to rate them both at the same time. Oh boy. Okay. But that's also because it's also related. It's also related to Horace Slughorn. Um, the second one is our famed love potion. Mm. The Amortentia. Amortentia doesn't create actual love, of course. That's impossible, but it does cause a powerful infatuation or obsession. For that reason, it is probably the most dangerous potion in this room. Uh, quoting Slughorn there. For some reason, I just noticed this. There is no fucking recipe. That's fucking oh, weird. That's awkward. Uh, okay, go ahead and start rating the Felix Felicis while I find this. Okay, I'm going to start off strong. A five out of five for me. That drink looks amazing, and I would drink the hell out of it. It seems like a great sip, uh, like sipping drink where I could have multiple and be fine, and I really want one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love ginger beer. So yeah, the ginger beer is a strong, strong positive. Strong contender. Yeah, contender. 10 out of 10. Or 5 out of 5. 5 out of 5. 10 out of 10. I have, I've never had ginger beer. Um, it's sweet. Not always. You know, five, then 5 out of 5. I mean, I would, I would totally down this. <laughs> I'd probably get drunk off this. Yeah, lightweight. Why are you going to be like this, man? <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, champagne is, you know, notoriously not strong. So you could always float something in it if you're really trying to get, you know, smashed. Smashed. <laughs> well, I was the alcoholic. <laughs> I have a 4.8 out of 5. 
because I feel like there's a missed opportunity with the simple syrup. Why is it just straight? Like, I understand why, but also I'm ambitious and I want to see a bit of a more complex flavor profile with a flavored simple syrup to deal with the acidity of the ginger and the lemon and the white wine. Like there's something you could, I don't know what it is, (laughs) but there's something you could do with that fourth of an ounce of simple syrup that would really make this impeccable. So 4.8 for me. Maraschino cherry. (laughs) With sound effect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Possibly, but cherry would not be bad. Cherry would not be bad at all. Counteract that sweet or counteract the uh, sourness of the lemon. Mm. Hmm. Possibly. So you give it a what? 4.8. 4.8. Right, right. The odd number. Um, <laughs> Lewis. Even number, but okay. They were both even numbers, but okay. No, no, no. Never mind. Oh my God. 5.5 uh, five out of 5. Oh, yeah. I think this is one of our highest rated drinks. Oh, I must have pulled down the average. I pulled down these like crazy. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They sound so good that they're dangerous. Yeah. I think. I think the only other drink we've ever had a high rating on was the um, whiskey one, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. So I found a recipe, not the recipe I was probably looking for because it's a different picture, but we're just going to use this picture anyway. Try to make it look like this. <laughs> hey, no, you can still, this is still like a pretty similar recipe. Regardless, it's just a slightly different photo. Here we go. Love Potion Punch. All right. So first, you'll need to assemble and freeze an ice ring for your punch bowl. Uh, Ice um, ring. Okay. Spread out one cup of raspberries and one cup of pomegranate seeds in the bottom of a bunt or flat ring pan. A heart-shaped bunt pan is extra cute, but a plain circle will also work fine without decreasing the potion's magical properties. Cover that with ice. Freeze your ice ring. Um, Raspberries. How do you pronounce this? Amortentia. Okay. Um, So your choice for the recipe to make a big punch bowl. Um, your choices of booze. You're going to add Aperol, gin, and pink sparkling wine, and then you're going to top that off with some pomegranate juice. Mm. And then you're going to add the ice ring of raspberries and pomegranate seeds on top. Um, I'm actually going to send here. I'm going to send the recipe page to you guys, and you can kind of see the step-by-step process when you click on the link, but I'll add some of the photos in here. I think this is actually... I mean, it looks good. Interesting. Um, and here's the photo where you can kind of see the step-by-step. Oh, it's a punch. It's one of yeah, those. It's like a party punch. Yeah. That's adorable. That bunt idea is adorable. I love I that dearly. Also, they didn't <laughs> um, have to put pomegranate seeds in there, but the lore and the attention to um, ancient Greek detail is uh, lovely. Lovely. Also, there's a there's a part that says for 20 extra points to your house, you can also freeze heart-shaped raspberry ice cubes for each punch. I would do that. That's hardcore. For Valentine's Day, no questions asked. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. It says serves 20, um, but this is all for me, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you want. Pomegranate juice is intense. I'm not even too sure if you would need the Aperol. If you got like a Moscato instead, you could probably do three ingredients instead of four. I love this. Sure. Five out sure. of five for me. I'm, I'm just calling it right now. Damn. <laughs> um, I will also say five out of five. This sounds delicious, refreshing, and like it would fuck us all up real good. Oh, it would fuck multiple people up. It's practical. <laughs> All 20 of us. <laughs> All indeed. 5, 10, 15, 20. So each of us could have five drinks. Perfect. Oh, yeah, brother. Let's go. You mean Isaiah could have two and we could have the other. <laughs> wow, you make me out to be such a lightweight. Well, I mean, you are. <laughs> um. Okay, I think, yeah, I think I would give it a, a not as high of a rating as the other one, but I would definitely think, I think 
I think it's good. It sounds good. I'd give it a like a stop. Three point seven five out of five. Why? What's up with these like points twenty five? I don't like Sorry, that. Three point seven six D two out of three. A whole three. Please explain yeah. your three. I want to fight you. Um, I don't know. I just to spite you, Ellis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Why does it make you mad? I mean, it just makes me sad. <laughs> She's not mad, just disappointed. <laughs> oh, heard that before. Um, so anyways, uh, let's move on, I guess. Um, okay, so everyone's ratings are higher than mine? Probably. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about pomegranate seeds. I mean, the pomegranate sounds really good. I love pomegranate. I, I you know, prob- I'm going to make it a four. Okay. Are you happy, Alice? I, I mean, I don't want to pressure you if that's disingenuous. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, it's okay. It's completely sen- sen- consensual. Wow. There you go. There yeah, it is. She's drunk. I got it. That's two five out of fives for who drinks. Uh, that's impressive. That's a that's a new streak, man. Yeah, have excellent start for the half blood prince today. Um. So is it my turn now for the question? Yes. yes. For my question. Oh, mine's a fun one. Mine's a game. Are you guys ready? You said that with a smile, and that makes me concerned. Oh yes, there's a big grin on my face right now. So this is a fun little game I like to call. What wand would you have in the wizarding world? So I'm going to take, I'm going to have each of you guys, I'm going to ask you each your own set of questions and it will determine your wand for the wizarding world. Are you guys ready? Yes. I've actually had my wand determined um, by a lady in Ollivander's years and years ago, but perhaps that may have changed. So let's go. Hmm. Let's see how accurate it is. Who wants to go first then? Wow, don't all jump out at once. Jesus Christ. I'll go first. <laughs> I will. I'm the guest. I'll go first. That's true. Thank you, Alice. Okay. So, Alice. Yes. First of all, how would you describe yourself? Would you describe yourself as average height, tall, or short? Average. Okay. Okay. Next question. What color are your eyes? Green. Green. Are they like a blue green or are they just like a green green? Straight green. Wow. Um, what day were you born on? Was it an even number or an odd number? Odd number. Okay, now what do you pride yourself the most on? By the way, if you guys want to ever take this quiz, it's on Potterboy.com. Amazing. Mm-hmm. What do you pride yourself uh, most on? Determination, imagination, resilience, intelligence, originality, optimism, or kindness? Oof, a lot yeah. of tough choices. Um, hmm, I'm going to go with resilience. Hmm, interesting choice. Okay, traveling, al- oh, bleh. try that again. Traveling alone down a deserted road, you reach a crossroads. Do you continue left towards the sea, right towards the castle, or ahead towards the forest? Forest, mystery, adventure, fuck castles. Mm. <laughs> Damn, okay. Woman <laughs> after my own heart. Okay, what do you most fear? Fire, darkness, isolation, heights, or small spaces? Darkness. Mm. All right, your last question. Okay, in a chest of magical artifacts, which... Do you choose a silver dagger, an ornate mirror, glittering jewel, bound scroll, a golden key, a dusty bottle, or a black glove? And I don't know what any of these things do. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Bound scroll. That's the Skyrim in me. Mm, yes. All right. <laughs> you have a wand made out of Hollywood uh, with a phoenix core that is 10 inches and three, 10 and three quarter inches with supple flexibility. Now, let me tell you a little bit about your wand uh, and what it means for you. So holly is one of the rare kinds of wandwoods uh, traditionally considered protective 
It works most happily for those who may need help overcoming a tendency to anger and impetuosity. That's a big word. That's an interesting word. Never heard of it. At the same time, Holly wants often choose owners who are engaged in some dangerous and often spiritual quest. Holly is one of those woods that varies most dramatically in performance depending on the wand core, and it is a notoriously difficult wood to team with Phoenix Feather as the wood's volatility man, (laughs) conflicts strangely with the Phoenix's detachment. In the unusual event of such a pairing, finding its ideal match, however, nothing and nobody should stand in their way. So, sounds like you got a pretty good one. Interesting. You also got one of the rarest core types as well. So, fuck you. Also interesting because I Holly uh, sounds familiar. I think I got Hollywood the first time. However, I did I know for a fact I did not get a Phoenix or a Dragon core. None of the like fancy cool. I got some weird core the last granted this was like six years ago but mm. i got a weird core the last time no for a fact it wasn't phoenix but it was still 10 inches and flexible which is interesting <laughs> she and said. i hope nobody takes that Reason out of context thank you very much uh beth for the detail and patience with my want quiz oh of course welcome anytime who's next me great all right now listen up I'm hold on. I'm just resetting it. Give me one second. We're just going to hotel music. Wait, what is it? Waiting music. Elevator music. Okay, we're here. We're back. Thank you for waiting. All right. Lewis, first question. How would you describe yourself? Average height, tall or short? Average height. Okay. Uh, what color are your eyes? Uh, light brown. Light okay. brown. Like the dark brown. Uh, what day were you born? On odd or an even number? Even. Hmm. What do you pride yourself most on? Determination, imagination, resilience, intelligence, originality, optimism, or kindness? It's a very difficult choice between imagination or intelligence. Oh. Hmm. Imagination was also one of my uh, contenders. I think for you it would be intelligence. Oh, wow, she knows me. You're a smart man. Thank you. Wow, that is the first person to tell me that. <laughs> I've only known you for a brief period of time and never met you in person, but I second that. Thank you so much. Aww. I just I disagree with everyone entirely. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you, Isaiah. I thank you for telling me the truth. No, um, Too late. I, I usually don't intelligence, have intelligence. So, okay, yeah, no, no, no. intelligence. Is not what, I, what I meant, what I meant by my comment was more like um, I usually have people who don't actually know me very well, tell me I'm smart versus my friends who actually know, know I'm you, intelligent. They're like, oh my God, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Okay. I used to think hair grew from your ends. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lewis laughs so hard that his mic broke. Yeah. Well, no, especially since my girlfriend's a hairstylist. That's even worse. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um. I, okay. Yeah. So, so I pride myself on intelligence. Um, okay. Your next question, uh, traveling alone down a deserted road, you reach a crossroads. Do you continue left towards the sea, right towards a castle, or ahead towards the forest? The forest. Okay. I'm going to go meet up with uh, Ellis. Yeah. What do you fear most? Fire, darkness, isolation, heights, or small spaces? Heights. Okay. Last question. In a chest of magical artifacts, which would you choose? Silver dagger, ornate mirror, glittering jewel, bound scroll, Golden key, a dusty bottle, or a black glove? Black glove because I'm Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want a black glove? Yes. Mm. Okay. 
Here's your answer. Drum roll, please. I feel like that last question determines so much. I'm so interested in this. Ooh. Ooh. Yours sounds interesting, Lewis. So your wand is made out of dogwood. Wood. It says dogwood wood with a dragon core. It's 12 inches with an unyielding flexibility. Mm. <laughs> 12, 12 inches with unyielding <laughs> flexibility. <laughs> okay, listen, 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 listen. This is what the description says. It says, Dogwood is one of my own personal favorites. That's Mr. Ollivander saying this. Um, and I have found that matching a dogwood wand with its ideal owner is always entertaining. Dogwood wands are quirky and mischievous. They have playful natures and insist upon partners who can provide them with scope for excitement and fun. It would be quite wrong, however, to deduce from this that dogwood wands are not capable of serious magic when called upon to do so. They have been known to perform outstanding spells under difficult conditions and when paired with a suitably clever and ingenious witch or wizard can produce dazzling enchantments. An interesting foible... Foible? Ah! An interesting foible of many dogwood wands is that they refuse to perform nonverbal spells and they are often rather noisy. Really? Yeah, that adds up. But uh, you did get Dragon Core, which is uh, which produces wands with the most power. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And they're capable of the most flamboyant spells. And you did say in the last episode that you are all about like show showmanship entertainment. Yeah. Yes, showmanship. Um, also, dragon wands tend to learn more quickly than other types. So, however, ooh, this is a this is important to note. Dragon wands tend to be the easiest to turn to the dark arts. Hell yeah, brother! It was nice knowing you. Lewis is longer than Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Isaiah, it's down to you. Gimme. So your first question, I'm pretty sure, is going to be the same unless they decide to some reason change it. First question: How would you describe yourself? Average height, tall or short? Average height. What color are your eyes? Brown. Dark brown or just brown? Uh, dark. dark brown. Okay. Yeah. What day were you born? An even or an odd number? Even. Hey, oh. Would you also like my social security number? <laughs> yes. And your address while you're at it. Um, what do you pride yourself most in? Determination, imagination, resilience, intelligence, originality, optimism, or kindness? Originality. Originality. Traveling alone down a deserted road, you reach a crossroads. Do you continue left towards the sea, right towards the castle, or ahead towards the forest? Right towards the castle. Mm. Oh, he's different. He picked the castle. All right. What do you fear most? Fire, darkness, isolation, heights, or small spaces? Isolation. And in a chest of magical artifacts, which do you choose? Silver dagger. Just silver dagger. (laughs) Yeah. He was like, I I have my answers written down. (laughs) Okay. Oh, all right. So... You have the longest wand. Oh. (laughs) By half an inch. (laughs) Okay. So you have redwood wood wand uh, with a phoenix core. So you're you're matching with Ellis here uh, with a 12 and a half inch uh, wand and a quite bendy flexibility. Um, So so uh, wand quality redwood is in short supply, yet constant demand due to its reputation for bringing good fortune to its owner. Um, the general populace have the truth back to front. Redwood wands are not themselves lucky, but are strongly attracted to witches and wizards who already possess the admirable ability to fall on their feet, to make the right choice, and to snatch advantage from catastrophe. The combination of such a witch or wizard with a redwood wand is always intriguing, and I generally expect to hear of exciting exploits when I send this special pairing out from my workshop. And then you have the rare core type with the phoenix 
core, like uh, Ellis. Hey. hey, very nice. Okay, that was my fun little game. It was a little different. I, I, I did you do yourself? I did not. Um, got to do that. Wand, give, give me your wand. Yeah, I want to know what your wand is, bro. Okay. Aw, yay! The Pisces Wait, in what? me is, is happy. That, is that not an expectation? Come on happy. now. <laughs> Dogwood, 12 and a half inches, Isaiah. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to get 15 inch. I'm going to be 15 inches. That's the alpha in me. <laughs> Watch, no, the beta in me is going to be like six inches. <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. All right, Beth, are you ready? Um, Sure. Would you describe yourself as average, tall, or short? Short. What color are your eyes? Dark brown. Dark brown? Yes. So dark brown slash black, not just brown. I don't know. Bra- okay, brown. Just brown. Okay. <laughs> I like to say, okay. see, I said light brown to dark brown because it will vary based on the light. Yeah, exactly. Was the day on which you were born an even number or an odd number? Even. Wow, brag about it. <laughs> Do you most pride yourself <laughs> on your determination? Originality, imagination, optimism, resilience, kindness, or intelligence. I'll do imagination. Traveling alone on a deserted road, you reach a crossword. Excuse me, <laughs> I goofed that I one know. too. You have three <laughs> options. Oh, did you give us all three options? I thought there were only two. Yes, I said left towards the sea, right towards the castle, or ahead towards the forest. Oh my gosh, I only heard castle and forest. I would have absolutely gone towards the sea. Anyway, Oops. go ahead, pick your favorite. I'm going to go to the forest with Big Lou. Oh, yeah, brother. Do you most fear fire, darkness, isolation, heights, or small spaces? Interesting. But you are also small. I know. Okay, so, Bethany, last question. Yeah. In a chest of magical artifacts, which would you choose? Do you know your answer already? I had a feeling. Okay, here's what we have. Cedar wood with a dragon core. 12 and three quarters inches. Are you serious? I'm not judging you. (laughs) Don't get Isaiah. 12 and three quarters inches and a surprisingly, surprisingly, surprising flexibility. Squishy. It's very, it's both rustic and elegant at the same time, like visually. Sounds like my kind of one. Whenever I meet one who, I'm just going to read straight from the website. Um, Whenever I meet one who carries a cedar wand, I find strength of character and unusual loyalty. My father, Gervais Ollivander, always used to say, you will never fool the cedar carrier. And I agree. The cedar wand finds its perfect home where there is perspicuity. Big word. Oh my goodness. They're using real big college words in this. I know. Oh my goodness. Perspicuity and perception. I would go further than my father, however, in saying that I have never yet met the owner of a cedar wand whom I could care to cross, especially if harm is done to those of whom they are fond. The witcher wizard, who is well-matched with cedar, carries the potential to be a frightening adversary, which often comes as a shock to those who have thoughtlessly challenged them. So essentially, you are... Um, how, do I, how do I put this? Hmm. You are the worst-case scenario for those who underestimate their opponents. The wand chooses the wizard room member, uh, Mr. Ollivander. Hmm. Character... Okay, that's it. That's it. That's all I know. I like it. Sounds nice. Sounds very oh, nice. We're, we're reading about cores and stuff. So it does. Who else had a dragon core? Didn't Lewis have a dragon core? Me and Lewis core? have yes. dragon cores, and yes. then you and Isaiah have phoenix cores. Makes sense. Hell yeah, brother. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Let's see. What else? Your 12 and three quarters inch one length, which is absolutely hilarious. That is so funny. I honestly didn't think I'd win. <laughs> Are you sure it's hilarious, Ellis, or is, that, is it that you like it? 
Anyway. <laughs> is it intimidating? Uh, no, it's just perfectly fine. Um, however, abnormally short ones usually select those in whose character is something is lacking rather than because they are physically undersized. Oh. Many small witches and wizards are chosen by larger wands. hey I had to compensate. Damn it. Ugh. All right. Anyways, Isaiah. Uh-huh. What do you got? What do you got for us on the list of facts? So... Uh, Dame Maggie Smith, who plays uh, Minerva McGonagall, lover, uh, was actually during the filming of this movie undergoing cancer treatment for breast cancer. What a warrior! Yeah, so during most of her scenes, she was actually feeling pretty nauseous and dizzy, Aww. practically the entire the entirety of the movie. Mm. And she God went through her. it like a trooper, much like um, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Like I can't imagine. Oh, what do you call? I can't. I can't. I can't do anything when I got a cold, let alone freaking going through chemo. I just can't do anything. That is also true. <laughs> another another fact from Bethany. <laughs> Thank you. I'll um, be here all week. <laughs> so uh, all the drawings in the borough that uh, all the characters are hanging out in, um, they were drawn by uh, school children in a nearby school. Oh, that's cute. Um, Tom Riddle in this movie, the when they do the flashback sequences, is played by Hero Finds Tiffin, who is the nephew of Ray Fiennes, Voldemort. Huh, I did huh. not know that. That's actually kind of neat. Wait. Um, all right, I gotta see. Um, Daniel Radcliffe has stated that uh, Half-Blood Prince is his least favorite film, and it is hard to watch for him. Why? Uh, mostly because of his alcoholism. Oh, oh yeah. Apparently, there. I couldn't find anywhere that he actually said it, but apparently it was because it did say in some spots that it was uh, he was very drunk, a lot of the time, uh, like he would be drunk, like he would get drunk the night before and then show up to to set and he could see it in his the, performance like, when he was watching it afterwards that he was still like a little tipsy. Mm-hmm. And he didn't he didn't like that. And he, he felt it was his lowest like it was his um his not his it was his worst performances out of all the movies. Is there um is there a way to know which scenes they are or like? No, it's uh, I didn't I didn't see anything. Uh, no one would really mention anything. He just kind of he just said it's it's very hard to watch, and mm. from the context, it seems that it was that he because of those reasons that he was just drunk a lot of the time. Hmm. I want to say that I mean if they if they didn't have him reshoot it or they kept it in there, what I want to say it would one of the scenes might be when he first has the Felix Felicis um potion, liquid luck, yeah, like when he wins it. Um, and then I think in a scene where he's talking to Horace in his office or something. Probably. Those would be ones that would stick out to me. If 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 that's true, yeah. It, it is true that he was uh, he was an alcoholic at the time. And so it wasn't he. Uh, so it is more than likely the the fact because he did say it somewhere. I just couldn't fact check it. But he did. He did in an interview. He did talk about alcoholism and that being his least uh, favorite film. So it's not a that big of a leap. Um, now. When Hermione is putting the books away, like she's walking through the library and she's like putting the books and they're all kind of floating and putting themselves away. If you watch the scene without CGI, it's literally just a bunch of people with like green gloves with their hands sticking out of the out of the libraries, out of the library shelves. And so she's just kind of she's just walking them down and just putting the books in their hands and they just slowly put their hands <laughs> back. It's so it's so weird. I have to see that now. Now this I don't know this one is Half Blood Prince is really dark. Like offset, I like offset it. visually. Ugh. I guess like the tone like leaked down to the real world because this movie has got a lot of like the backstory, not the backstory, but like the the behind the scenes stuff for it is so like wonky, like it's dark. Now, when the movie was the movie was originally supposed to release, um, actually I don't have the original date, but the movie was there was an original release date, and then 
in order to garner more money for a summer box office release, they put they delayed the release of the movie by eight months. Hmm. All right. This sent fans into a whirlwind. They were pissed. All right. I mean, yeah, eight months is a long time. It is, yes. Now, so the almost fans the whole were, baby. Almost the whole baby. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, so this outraged fans to the point where many petitions were signed to get like the release date pushed back to the original uh, date. Um, one even garnered about thirty-five thousand signatures. Jesus. Now, obviously, they never happened. They didn't do anything. It still ended up coming out eight months later. Now, Alan Horn, he's the stu- he was the studio president at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and he's the one who made the decision in order for them to push the release date for eight months he was sent death threats <laughs> oh my god oh yeah like people gotta calm down all right like i can understand being upset because you gotta wait eight more months for a stupid decision but damn don't send the, don't be send the guy death threats it's a bit much yeah that's ridiculous now most now most notably these are the two ones that everybody was like oh crap all right it's getting out of hand was a 51 year old artist from la named gene fink who stated I can't breathe anymore because you ripped my heart out in an email sent to him, along with oh the death threat. Wow. That's um, so ridiculous. Wow. Like, yeah, like, why? Right, chill out. And another one is a 24-year-old office assistant from Australia who sent in 30 angry letters in bright red envelopes that were meant to mimic howlers <laughs> to his office. I mean, that was so creative. mildly serial killery. Yeah. Yeah. Only <laughs> slightly a lot. Only slightly a lot. Now, so the in my last fact, which is Another death threat, but um, Daniel Radcliffe was assigned ex SAS bodyguards by Warner Brothers. Now, if you don't know what S- SAS is, they are no. um, special air special air force, not special special uh, air. See, it's the special. It's the special forces for Britain. Yeah, this. Uh, what the hell is the name of the like their actual? That's name. who James Bond works for. The special air service. Yes, I know James Bond works for MI5. No, you work for MI6. <laughs> oh wow, MI5 and MI6. Close enough. <laughs> So um yeah, but the special air service they uh they're ex special air service they're they're they are the top of the top they're yeah the navy seals of like the British air force of um like they're they're good with air it's other air force but like they're good at hand to hand combat and stuff like that so they're mm. they're they're not people to mess with <laughs> they're one of the most dangerous regiments in the world yeah you don't want to you don't want to go up with against an SAS officer um but yeah they were ex SAS bodyguards. And the reason Warner Brothers put them on Daniel Radcliffe's was because a stalker was sending death threats to him, and it was enough for them to take it seriously. <laughs> that they were like, okay, we got to protect Daniel Radcliffe's because this guy's crazy. Death threats, like, because of the postpone or for other reasons? No, for other reasons. He was just stalking Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, those are all our facts for today. It's a very, it was a very dark episode. <laughs> yes. Dark and twisted. Um, Ellis, since you, you know prepared for this episode so much why don't you start with your review again since you're our guest review review in the context of the harry potter films or films at large i personally rate them based off of the series alone i don't be isaiah though bases it off as like in general films okay well i since we can choose i will continue to base mine off of the the franchise um okie doke i was surprised (laughs) I was surprised at re like I rewatched this film. I d- physically dug out my DVD collection of the first six films because I don't have HBO Max or whatever the hell it might actually be streaming on right now. Um, <laughs> and I knew like some things that McGonagall said after Ron was poisoned. I knew some things that Hermione said after Lavender. Um, 
kiss Ron. I knew something like I some very specific dialogue moments. I just knew verbatim off the cuff, the pacing, everything, because they had been on cable so much when I was a kid. It was like, oh, you turn on like every four channels, like, oh, it's the Harry Potter movie. So that's what we would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is still visually gorgeous. I still really love the fight scene between Draco and Harry in the bathroom and when he bleeds over the bathroom floor with all the water everywhere. I loved that. I don't remember the film being like three quarters bullshit teenage nonsense of like, who's going on a date with who and who's doing this and that and like, and like Ron's with this person and Harry likes this person. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. care, but it's necessary. It's necessary for character building. It's necessary for like, if you have to focus on that in order to build up the whole like, oh, Harry is Dumbledore's like secret agent while Draco is also a secret agent. And they're trying to figure things out and arrive to the same conclusion. And then like that build was great and very effective. And that's why all of the nonsense, teenage bullshit, drama bullshit was necessary. I understand that. Mm-hmm. However, it's very interesting to watch this film again as an adult who is, hasn't seen it in a long time, hasn't read the books in a long time. And is pretty far departed from it to then be like, ah, there are some things that I still love. And there are some things that I am very acutely annoyed by. Whereas in the past, I was just so engrossed in the whole film. And this, the story beats about like, oh, I'm going to take somebody cool to, to Slughorn's function. And it immediately cuts to Luna Lovegood in her sparkly dress. And it's like, ah, I love it. Amazing. Wonderful. (laughs) And Snape's betrayal at the very end, like it, mm, in the context of the Potter films, why I can't even remember what I gave order. I think I might've gave order of the Phoenix 4.5 out of 5. I'll give this one a 4 out of 5, mostly for the latter half. But the latter half is so strong and it is so, it's, the cinematography is stuck in my head for so Mm -hmm. long. 4 out of 5. All right. Hmm. One of you guys want to go? Or you want me to go? I'll go. I would like to agree with what Ellis said on many points. Uh, but there, what did you think was missing from from the from the film, Ellis? I I can't give an accurate answer to that. I apologize. As much as I would like, I would love to reread the book and watch the film again and give a better answer because I was just at a very different point in my life. The first time. My upbringing as a, as a, like I was a teenager when I read the books and watched them. Like I've watched the film a long time and it was like, oh, fun, wizards, whatever. But like when I watched the book, watched the book, when I read <laughs> yep. the, I book, the book, I, I watched all of the films first and then read the books as the final the final two films were coming out. That is, but I never finished the book series. Um, I stopped at the Half Blood Prince when I was. Um, really? Yeah, I did. I stopped at the Half Blood Prince when I was mm, about sixteen. Honestly, because it was just so depressing, and at that time in my life, I couldn't take it. I would love to answer that question after rereading the book now and watching the film again now, and then giving you a more comparable answer. It's weird because I love nonsense, empty world building filler episodes. Please tell me about your nonsensical relationships that don't really matter because you're a teenager and none of this, like somebody's house was just burned to the ground. Like it doesn't matter, you know, like who's dating who, like it really doesn't. However, that is the kind of 
relationship building with characters, world building. Like I, I always say in films and movies and books and things that I like, like take Yellowstone, for example. I don't know if any, any of you or any of the audience has watched Yellowstone, but in season three or four or something like that, they finally get a break where they just like get a break from all of the violence and the betrayal and the chaos, like similar to Harry. Like this was one of the moments, both in the book series and the films, when he just gets to like be a person, kind of. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's this underlying evil going on, but he finally gets to kind of focus on all the stupid bullshit of being a teenager, which is good and great and excellent. Part of me really likes that, but part of me is also really annoyed by it. Um, incredibly long-winded answer, but I can't fully answer that question because I both like, love, and am annoyed by the fact that the you know first three quarters of the film is essentially like, What's the word? What's that trope in uh, romance? Slow burn bullshit yeah. to world build for the larger conflict. Mm. Um, I agree with you. And then another part of me also wants to say, like, I like the way they did it, because while Harry is getting that chance to be like, I'm a teenager or like almost an adult. Let me try like crazy things. Da, da, da. Let me try. Food. Let me win the luck potion. Let me cheat on my exams because I happen to have the book of the Half-Blood Prince, which actually turns out to be, you know, Snape, um, which was kind of uh, ironic in that, like, you know, going from like episode, the first episode to now, where it's like, he can say, he basically considers Snape like a mortal enemy almost um, versus like not knowing that he's actually using Snape's notes to mm. succeed in an advanced potions class and stuff like that. Um, and it's also kind of funny to see the unraveling of Hermione's character. Yes in that sense um because she she prides herself on being like this super intelligent a plus student and yet she can't get anything correct like harry is um but i do think is kind of i think was kind of a i know it was necessary but i also just think it was stupid throughout both the film and the book was um watching ron and hermione's relationship develop across ron being with this random chick and hermione being like i'm not jealous but i am jealous i hated that i hated that i hated lavender specifically (laughs) like she was written like she's annoying in the film but in the book she's fucking annoying (laughs) she's atrocious atrocious is an excellent word thank you um and but i think what I mean, I'm also kind of going based off what they did in the book and what I liked about like the the background for for Tom Riddle and as well as Horace Horace's um, role in all of that. And, you know, it goes from like making Harry be like, oh, I just want to be like a good college student. You know, like I'm doing well in my classes. I want to get close to my professor to Dumbledore being like, I need you to spy on Horace Slughorn. And, you know, I need you to get all these secrets from him and absorb these memories and shit so we can figure out what's going on. And then Dumbledore, I think, like, also already knew, like, I'm going to die. So, um, good film. Yeah. and then good beefy film, good film here. Here might this might be a spoiler of sorts. I'm not sure if you, if you guys also cut onto this, not reading the books uh, or I don't know if they bring this up again later in Deathly Hallows. But uh, Dumbledore planned this. Mm-hmm. He planned his death through Snape. Yes, so uh, that I was... believe that they explained that briefly in, in Deathly Hallows. Uh, Deathly like, Hallows, yeah. But the way it's done in Half-Blood Prince, where you don't know, and this whole setup is happening, and just like reading this, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then reading about it in Deathly Hallows later when, you know, um, I think just before Snape dies is kind of like, it's this very heart-wrenching moment. Mm. Uh, but in either case, very well done film. Uh, my final review would be a four, yeah, four out of five. Okay. Uh, Isaiah, what about you? Um, I, f- I don't 
I feel the opposite about all the like filler stuff. I don't like the filler stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. I just it felt it felt like it just didn't yeah. it just didn't do anything. Like it was too I don't know. There was a lot of there was a lot it was very lackluster, a lot missing. The best parts are like when what do you call it? Like uh Snape's uh, whole arc and Dumbledore Dumbledore's old arc, like everything that when those two are on screen, that's when the movie's at its best. But when they're not under on screen, everything is kind of subpar. And that's what I feel like this movie. So I gave it a three out of five. Okay. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five um, for similar reasons. I think I agree with Ellis. I think it's beautiful, like the cinematography and everything behind it. It's definitely one of the most um, appealing of the films. But I will also agree with Isaiah that I just feel like out of all of the films, it's probably the one I, I remember the least about. And I just feel like I'm not I, I wasn't as into this that this particular one as I was into the other ones. Um, however, there were, you know, a few scenes here and there that I did thoroughly enjoy. Um, but again, they're they're kind of, I guess, pushed aside or outweighed by the not so great stuff. So, um, yeah, three and a half out of five for me. Okay. All right. Well, your two explanations kind of make, make me want to reconsider my answer because, as I said, oh. a lot of the film was nonsense. Like, even when I was watching it, I feel like I needed to fast forward through a lot of just like there's a way to include the fluffy um, stripe of life kind of world buildy context stuff like let Harry be a teenager type stuff without having it overtake the film. And I feel like that that was a time when all of those instances were much longer than they needed to be. I felt myself scrubbing mm. through a lot more of the film than I probably should have needed wanted. to. Yeah, exactly. As pretty yeah. as it was, I, I concur. I concur. Well, I'm glad we're all in agreement on that uh, one then. <laughs> I feel relatively, like relatively to, uh, closely, closely enough. I mentioned close enough. I'll take text, it. Uh, um, that I didn't feel you guys like have anything you want to add uh, before, before we wrap it up? Ah, uh, yes. So I'm going to reiterate it here because I feel like since we have two people here that have read the book, that it kind of would make more sense. Okay. So, so my main thing about when it comes to taking books and making them movies and stuff like that is that the source material should be complementary, not supplementary, because if there's stuff that happens in the books and they don't translate well to the movies, then um, then it shouldn't be it should be then changed or the whole point of being like of adapting or something is that it should be changed for the medium that it's going to. I have a minor rebuttal. Okay. Ooh, Ooh I see. So, <laughs> so I see. I I will try to keep this brief. Um. No, please. I'm going to grab some popcorn. Should I wait? I had it ready. So in the content, like people were waiting, lines wrapped around the block for these books, right? Um, what does it say to those who were so dedicated to the original source material? Like how, how much could one argue that those who read the books, bought the books and were fans before it became mainstream, before the first movie even came out, um, before the first even third movies gained a ton of traction, what is it to say that changing the source material in the adaptation to the point where it can appeal to the masses, let's say, um, to be more digestible, 
Um, how is that possibly a disservice to the original fans? How is that a disservice to those who read the original books and wanted to see a more truthful adaptation and did the work, so to speak, in order to be rewarded for that? And I, I always have to think about Dune as a comparison because a big complaint and a meme about Dune as well received as the film was, was that, oh, it's so confusing. It's so hard to understand. There are all these new words. I did, 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 did. And for somebody who grew, like it's, it's a bit of its own kind of pocket discussion for somebody who grew up on video games and fantasy and all of that to just kind of learn how to pick up on fantasy terms. That is kind of a, a learned skill and imagination skill and all of that. So even if I were to go into the Dune film blind, having not read the book, I did read the book before I saw the film, I still feel like I would have been immersed in the world and enjoyed and intrigued enough in order to continue with it. And I feel like trusting your audience in such a way is an interesting is an interesting seesaw to balance on because, you know, Isaiah says that, oh, there's the capacity for I have to read the books in order to understand this. But what about the person who read all of the books multiple times and read as many, you know, tidbits and spinoffs as possible waiting for this piece of, I guess, world and imagination and literature to be on the screen, something that they could finally watch and they whittle it down or they are inauthentic to it or they um, gloss over something or they change the source material to a point where it is kind of, I don't want to say repulsive, but it is insulting. Insulting, yes, to the to the source material. And they're like, oh, well, I've, I've waited 10 years to see this to see what I have been having in my head for the past decade. And they are choosing to water it down to appease two mass audiences. Like I'd be hurt. I would be hurt if that were me. However, can one project their personal feelings to something of that scale? I don't know. Food for thought. I, I'm contributing nothing here. I'm just talking. Um, I'm comparing things to Dune of all things. Um, so I don't know. Do with that what you will. Well put. Yes, but to answer the question that you're trying to, put, what I'm trying to say is that um, now it is true. Yeah, like I, obviously that thing's gonna get it right. But I feel like if you have, it's a, they're both storytelling mediums, right? Yes. Now, say the source material didn't exist. Say Harry Potter was an original idea. If there was an if the original story, there's no source material. That's bad storytelling because then you just have a random thing happening to just to have stuff happen. And that's not good. And that's what I'm trying to say is more of if you're going to tell a story, then you should be able to fully fledge out what you're trying to say. So that's that's more of what I'm getting at is that like they just there's not there's sometimes needs to be a, some thought process on what has to be done in order to tell a story. And if you don't do it right. And some, it happens a lot with adapt with adapting things because they don't choose ahead of time of what's supposed to be important or what they're supposed to mention. Therefore, things get messy. Hmm. I may I may understand what you're saying. It seems to me that the thesis of this would be either commit to the warping, the inevitable warping and changing of the original format and omitting certain things that would dishearten the original fan base in order to tell a good story on film because novel writing and script writing and what actually shows up in the film are all different things. So that is option one. And option two would to be make an incredibly obnoxiously long film, however, which the original fans would probably eat up and devour, but something that wouldn't do as well and would thus not serve the franchise and fans as a whole in order to continue it to make like a three hour long true adaptation of the film 
And what I'm hearing is that in, in the effort to marrying those two options, the writers fell short in this context. Yeah. I mean, specifically, I mean, it happened a few times in Harry Potter, but like in most of the major franchises that are adapted from other source material, it happens. And I'm, I understand that, but it's more of like, this was an easily solvable problem that you guys should have saw ahead of time and you didn't do it. <laughs> so I don't know. It really does. It, it really does depend on the franchise or the product or the material. But it was just it's just I do feel like this happens a lot. And that's what was the point I was trying to make is just that I feel like if you're going to be true to the source material, be true to it. But don't like start doing things willy nilly because you need to get a story together <laughs> and you end up either alienating the fans or alienating the 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 moviegoers or alienating both or doing exactly what the most recent star wars films did i understand exactly <laughs> indeed we, we moved past that <laughs> oh yeah but um well you know i think me and alice had a good uh debate of things <laughs> yes i i think lewis and i went through all the popcorn already so <laughs> <laughs> all right good deal fair enough okay well on that note so that these two can go fight it out um, <laughs> intellectually we'll get our pens and quills and dip inks out and go for it if you guys want to buy tickets now there'll be a boxing match next week hear ye, hear ye. so i'm just gonna real quick do our little outro um i'm gonna plug our social medias instagram youtube itunes spotify at sellers green sips um please leave us any movie suggestions for our listeners episodes we have tons of suggestions piling in right now so um we're trying we're gonna try and get them all done um within the next few episodes so if you guys have any please send them our way we would love to watch and review you can also follow us on twitter where you can see isaiah getting banned um at so can <laughs> sip with no s and then um yeah we post every monday morning so we will see you guys in the next episode when we oh we're on the deathly hollows now aren't we Ooh. oh boy <laughs> okay thank you again for joining us today ellis Thank you for having me. We hope to see you again. Indeed. Yes. Go visit go visit Ellis Island if you guys want. Um, it's really neat. Okay. Anyway. Well, on that awkward note, bye. <laughs> bye. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> oh, God.